Welcome to Musings from the Manse. This Pilgrim's Journey, Week 2. A problem shared. Lost with you to Liscard. Extract from Reflections Notebook, Monday the 24th of July 2017. Ferries and trains. The value of having another mind or pair of eyes look at a potential problem. I arrived in Liscard, fairly relaxed but quite tired, after a good walk from Lost Withiel. I had spent the previous night sleeping in the vestry of St Bartholomew's Church. It was a simple but sufficient space, but was adjacent to the bell tower, and the automatic bell rang out every quarter of an hour throughout the night, and made it almost impossible to sleep properly. The worst part of it was hearing the mechanism winding itself up just before it began to chime. Settling in at my overnight accommodation in the early evening, I decided to check the details for my crossing of the River Tamar on Wednesday. I had done the planning for this part of the journey in March, and discovered a privately run passenger ferry operating out of Colstock, which would take me across and into Devon. The bad news. Since my planning earlier in the year, the ferry had ceased operating, and I was now faced with replotting my route across the river. The good news. Within just a few hours of posting the problem onto Facebook, it was resolved. My route coordinator and another friend both took to their computers and identified that I could catch the train at Colstock and get off at the next stop across the river and not interrupt my journey at all. Being on the road meant that I often had limited access to the internet or to other ways of searching for information and it was a real blessing to have somebody else to share this problem with. The saying goes, a problem shared is a problem halved and I'm certain that this assistance not only turned this into a non-problem, but also stopped my making it something to burden my mind and journey with for the next few days. I recognise in myself the tendency to try to resolve issues or to deal with tasks myself, rather than trust others to do so for me. I can identify situations and circumstances in my past that have led me to be like this. Times when I have been or felt that I have been badly let down. But I also recognise that this is not always a healthy way to live. My first few years as a Christian were marked by struggling to let go and let God. And I still have work to do on it today. The point about letting go and letting God is that it doesn't mean that we should simply stop doing anything and wait for God to resolve everything for us. At its heart, the letting go really relates to the letting go of the doubts, the worries, the fear of failure and so many other things that we hang on to. God invites us to share these problems with him. Or perhaps he really invites us to share the working through them with him. He certainly offers to share his Holy Spirit with us, to empower and equip us to work through any obstacles we might face. And maybe the let God really means let God in. 
I slept well that night in Liscard, untroubled by worries about how to get across the river or how much further I was going to have to walk, and I was encouraged that I had people who were not just following my journey from a distance, but who were engaged with it in prayer and practical support. Homemade Hospitality, Liscard to St Dominic Extract from Reflections Notebook, Tuesday 25th of July 2017 Mark and Rosalind, a real example of hospitality, simple and with no strings attached. Today's photograph is of the small schoolroom at the back of St Dominic Church. The building has been renovated to provide a small meeting room with kitchen facilities. Attached to the room is a very nice little WC. This day was marked by two simple yet very gratefully received acts of hospitality. Shortly after arriving in St Dominic, late in the afternoon, I was visited by one of the church members who came bearing not just a delicious homemade lasagna, salad and cake, but also a real interest in my pilgrimage and the gift of time to listen and talk. Extract from Facebook post, Tuesday 25th of July 2017 This morning a car stopped beside me as I walked along a narrow country lane. The driver, Mark, asked where I was headed and we talked for ten minutes as I explained what I was up to. Eventually he said goodbye, as did his daughter Rosie, who is definitely four. About fifteen minutes later, Mark appeared from a driveway and invited me into his home for a glass of water, which I gratefully accepted. I enjoyed about an hour talking with Mark and Rosie, who were still four, about faith, travels and hospitality. Hospitality doesn't have to be complicated or extravagant. When Jesus invites his followers to respond to the needs of the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the needy, the sick and the prisoner, he doesn't tell us that our response will be measured by how much we spent on it. What really matters is that we have eyes to see those in the world who are in need and that we have a heart to respond. A little food, water, time, compassion and concern. I fear that we are living in an age when so many people have become numb to the needy. So many television information films on behalf of charities working in the poorest parts of the world now get flipped off by the remote because we've seen it all before. How many of us walk past the canvasser in the street without even stopping to hear who they represent and what they are seeking support for? We have aid apathy. Recently I travelled into Cambridge with the sole purpose of watching how people respond and react to the homeless men and women on the streets. Somewhere around 90% of the people who pass by within just a few metres behave as if the individual isn't even there. The raw reality of their life is displayed publicly and yet they are invisible to most people. Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, 
you did for me. Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 God has not left the building. St. Dominic to Prince Tame. Extract from Facebook post, Wednesday 26th of July 2017. My walk took me through some fantastic scenery today and ended with a little over two and a half miles across Dartmoor. Despite the rain and low cloud, it was a fantastic walk. It was raining hard again when I got up and left the shelter of the room in St Dominic. I needed to leave early in order to make sure that I arrived in time for the train in Colstock, and a straightforward walk meant that I did so with time to spare. Crossing the River Tamar took me across the county boundary from Cornwall to Devon and set me en route for Dartmoor. Dartmoor had been one of the places I was most excited to be walking as a part of my pilgrimage journey, and I had deliberately shifted my route inland during the planning stage to make this happen. My destination on this day was Princetown, famous for its prison. Dartmoor Prison was built at the beginning of the 19th century to hold prisoners of the Napoleonic Wars. It was later used to hold American prisoners from the War of 1812. Extract from Facebook post, Thursday 27th July 2017. This is St Michael and All Angels Church in Princeton. It is where I slept last night. It no longer functions as a church, but is managed by the Church's Conservation Trust. And the work they do in communities around the country is fantastic. Although this church building is closed for worship, there is another church fellowship meeting in the village, a C of E and Methodist partnership. I found this building to be beautiful in quite a sad way. Although it is open to visitors every day, it is very empty of everything that makes a church a church. It is tired, forlorn even. There is a sense that although it is maintained, it is maintained in a condition of neglect. Altar cloths are rotting. Dead flowers lay next to the cross. Mould and moss seeps into the brickwork. There is a mixed match of furniture placed as if to give the impression of how a church should be furnished. Yes, there are beautiful flowers arranged on every pew and on the pulpit, but these are fake. This was a church once, once when the sound of voices singing praises to God lifted its lofty rafters, once when the word of God was preached from its pulpit, once when prayers were offered, once when people gathered here in Christian fellowship, this was a church. But when the people stopped gathering here, it became nothing more than a building that once was a church. It doesn't mean that you can't encounter God here. There is something peaceful about the space that invites you to sit quietly and reflect or pray. Perhaps a shadow of when this building really was a church. The church was built by French and American prisoners, situated in a location described as unquestionably the bleakest place in Devon. 
Once the prisoners of war left in 1815, the church survived to serve the local community from around 1850. When I was settling to sleep in this dark, cold and quiet, lonely place, I was put in mind of the words of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There was comfort from knowing that even in this bleakest place, God was not far from me. Even though people might have abandoned the building, God hasn't. One small leap, Princetown to Ashburton. Extract from Reflections Notebook, Thursday the 27th of July 2017. Dartmoor. Great weather, spectacular views, fabulous walking. When I set off from Princetown early in the morning, the sky was cloudy, but it was dry and the visibility was fantastic. From the edge of the town I could see the path stretching for miles in front of me. Extract from Reflections Notebook, Thursday 27th of July 2017. The narrow path. Not narrow because it is made to be difficult, but because the wilderness on either side presses in on it at every opportunity. There is a constant temptation to wander off to look at something interesting. I find some comfort in footprints, even if they are old, as they reassure me that somebody else has taken this pathway. It was strange to experience just how easy it was to lose sight of the path up close when it had seemed so clear and distinct at the start of the day. In Matthew chapter 7, in what we know today as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about narrow roads and broad roads. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It has always seemed somewhat unfair that the road to life should be the narrow one. Why would God make the road narrow in the first place? As I walked across Dartmoor this day, I realised that the road to life didn't begin narrow or twisty, but it had become so only as the world pressed in on it tempting the pilgrim to wander off. There was one part of the footpath that had been washed away by the rain of the last few days. It had cut through the peat and left a channel perhaps four foot wide and three foot deep right across the track. The only way across here was going to be to jump. It wasn't, in normal circumstances, a particularly difficult jump, 
but the soft, wet, peaty ground made it harder to get a good run-up or a firm landing, and on the other side the bank was undercut and didn't look too secure. On top of this, I was going to make this leap carrying my rucksack. I ran, I leapt, I landed, and I carried on as if I did this kind of thing every day. I was quite pleased with myself, and also a little disappointed that there was nobody to witness it. A house of God, rich in welcome, Ashburton to Henock. Extract from Reflections Notebook, Friday 28th of July 2017 The pleasure of not having to rush and the generosity of a host who wanted to drive me to Ashburton. I overnight in luxury in a delightful Airbnb garden room just outside of Ashburton. This was the only day of my planning where I had been unable to find a church close enough to my route where I could stay overnight. Refreshed from my night of rest, I altered my route to include a detour into Bobby Tracy, having been forewarned that there were no shops in Henock where I would be staying overnight. Extract from Reflections Notebook, Friday 28th of July 2017 what brought me to Henock? It would have made more sense to stop over in Bovey Tracy. Was it the view, the climb, the medieval drover's track passing through to Exeter, this beautiful church? Was it to meet the people? These people, faithful in their stewardship, fellowship and gathering to worship, even if they are few and there are differences and perhaps difficulties. Was it to encourage to share my story with Francis and Ken and to encourage them in what they are faithfully doing. Here is a house of God, rich in welcome, alive with the calm and peaceful presence of God who dwells with his people. Rejoice. It was a real joy and pleasure to meet the people of this church community. On my arrival I was greeted with a camp bed, a loan from one person, some cake and tea, a gift from another. Later I was visited by a couple who wanted to interview me for their magazine, and later still a visit from a local farmer who left with an invitation to a farm breakfast the following morning. I felt wonderfully welcomed and lovingly looked after during my short time in Henock. This is what hospitality looks like in Henock, and it is heavenly. The breakfast was amazing. Questions and answers. Henock to Ken. Extract from Reflections Notebook, Saturday 29th of July 2017. Great to meet up with Ed today. There is certainly a different dynamic walking with somebody else. After nearly two weeks of walking on my own, I got to spend a good part of the day walking with someone else. For the most part of the previous 13 days, I had been quiet. Occasionally, I might break into song or share a brief hello with a passing traveller. But on the whole, I had nothing that I needed to say out loud. 
People who know me will perhaps marvel at the idea of me being quiet for any length of time. And the experience of quietness shaped a lot of my thinking through the first two weeks, and it was reflected in a brief letter I sent home to Bethel on this second weekend. Hello, pilgrims. Well, that's 14 days and 170 miles done. Just 35 days left and around 380 miles to go. It is Saturday afternoon as I write this, and I am enjoying the luxury of a night in a hotel just a few miles west of Exeter. As you read or hear this, I will have completed the short walk, and will be joining Ed at South Street Baptist Church for their morning service. It was wonderful to have him join me for the walk on Saturday, and I am grateful for the cards, gifts and wishes that he brought to me from you. I continue to enjoy some wonderful hospitality at the different churches that I visit, and my days walking have been a great opportunity to spend time in reflection. I found this passage written by a Jewish writer, intended as advice for pilgrims to the Holy Land, It strikes me that it is a good advice to each of us, wherever we are on our pilgrimage of life. A pilgrim is not a tourist. A pilgrim will leave behind business concerns. A pilgrim will have an open mind. A pilgrim does not travel alone. A pilgrim respects the host country. A pilgrim is not a pious tourist. A pilgrim and a tourist may follow the same itinerary, but the pilgrim is on a sacred journey in which God is encountered through places, people and situations. The tourist sees sights, discovers new places, learns interesting facts, takes photographs and accumulates souvenirs. The tourist returns home the same person as the one who left, save perhaps for a broadened mind. The pilgrim gains insights and discerns new truths about oneself. The pilgrim travels with the expectation that the one who returns will not be the same person as the one who set out. The pilgrim has his or her mind set on ultimate things. He or she will not become a slave to a timetable or be distracted by gift shops. Time will be allowed for holy idleness. The pilgrim sets out, open to the possibility of having identity and faith challenged. The outcome of the pilgrimage will be the transformation that has taken place inside the person. The pilgrim will return with an impression imprinted on the soul, rather than in the memory of a digital camera. One of the things that I have been thinking about particularly over the last couple of days is how this journey gives me the opportunity to take time to consider and think about things. It seems to me that we are living in a world where there has become an expectation upon us to come up with answers and responses to issues, situations and questions immediately or sooner. If we have a question, we can Google it. I wonder if you have had a situation when, for example, a child asks you about something whether it is possible to go somewhere or do something. When you reply that you will look into it, they tell you that they already have all of the information. All you need to do is say yes or no. 
Quick answers and instant decision-making can so easily lead us into making poor decisions or finding bad answers. Perhaps we need to rediscover the art of taking time to stop and reflect even prayerfully before giving our response. Yes, it might mean that things in life don't move quite as quickly as they seem inclined to do, but perhaps that's not such a bad thing. One day waiting for a thoughtful answer might save many days of problems later. How might you practice this at home, at work or at church? If it's worth asking the question in the first place, then it must be worth waiting a little while for a considered answer. Games Ken to Exeter Extract from Reflections Notebook, Sunday 30th of July, 2017 After church, Ed and I enjoyed time in the local games cafe. Three co-op games played, won one, lost two. My short walk from Ken to Exeter in the morning was in somewhat kinder weather to that experienced by Ed the previous afternoon. The sun was bright and the sky was blue and there was a fresh feel in the air as I followed field and riverside path into the city. During my pilgrimage, I mostly avoided towns and cities. But when I did, it was interesting to me how much different it felt to be walking in built-up areas. Footpaths that lead into small villages often seem to enter through quiet lanes or perhaps churchyards or allotments, and I rarely had more than a few minutes walking through the streets to get to my overnight stay, whereas footpaths leading into larger towns and cities seemed to prefer the industrial estate, or even the sewage plant, and the walk to my destination through the streets could be anything up to an hour. And I think it would be true to say that I found it difficult doing much reflective thinking as I had to weave my way through other pedestrians, and navigate traffic lights and road crossings. The journey into Exeter was actually a much more pleasant affair. Following the river for a couple of miles brought me into the city, and a short steep climb up a flight of medieval steps brought me to the city centre and cathedral. The city was busy, and the grounds around the cathedral were already quite full of people enjoying the sunshine beside this beautiful place of worship, which has been here for more than 600 years. I was very saddened to read just yesterday how city councillors and cathedral staff have had to cancel the Wednesday night homeless cafe, which has been operating here due to recent issues of disorderly conduct and vandalism. One individual had even climbed the face of the cathedral and deliberately dislodged one of the beautiful carved statues. Reading this news, I was reminded of hearing some years ago of a church in Hereford that was struggling with a problem where patrons of the nightclubs across the road from the church building were using the steps and doorways as somewhere to throw up or urinate. The church members gathered to discuss proposals for erecting some kind of security fence to protect their property, but instead, following a spirit-inspired suggestion from a couple of members, They decided to open the doors and offer access to the toilets, cups of tea and a little care and compassion. 
such a beautiful example of bringing kingdom thinking to a worldly problem or situation. I think that all too often in our churches we turn to the world for answers and solutions. Kingdom thinking requires that we consider things from God's perspective. I know that it sometimes sounds a little twee nowadays, but what would Jesus do is still a valid question for all of us when faced with any decision. My day in Exeter was a somewhat relaxed one. Ed and I enjoyed joining with the congregation of South Street Baptist Church for their morning worship and then we retired across the road for an afternoon of board gaming at a local board games cafe. I am something of a board game fanatic and Ed is sometimes able to join our weekly games night in Swayze and this was an excellent way to bring the second week of my pilgrimage to a close. Extract from Facebook post Sunday, 30th of July, 2017. Sunday afternoon, and there are around 30 people playing board games in the board game cafe in Exeter. Families, teens, twenties and older. You've been listening to Musings from the Mance. Thank you for listening.